Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. And we're going to have a fun Flyers Talk podcast today. Now that we have a good idea the Flyers are not adding any more players, of course, they still have Travis Sandheim to re-sign, Connor Bunneman to re-sign, two restricted free agents, but it looks like their off-season maneuvering should be done, and we should have a good idea of what players are going to be at training camp come September. So we're going to have some fun and pick a flyer with the most to prove next season and a flyer with the most to lose next season. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's get right into it. Taryn, I'll start with you. What? Who is your flyer with the most to prove going into next year? Uh, I think this probably might be one of the most obvious, if not one of the more obvious ones, but I got to go with Carter Hart. We talked a lot about him last podcast because he obviously just signed a new contract. Um And it's not even that Carter has a ton to prove for himself, although it obviously I think will impact him and, uh, you know, his mental state. But um, I think Carter has a lot to prove for the team. Like the front office needs Carter to prove something this season because, I mean, it's it's no secret. Everyone in the city um, really, I think, thought this kid was – second coming almost of great flyers goaltender like we were finally going to come back around to having a great goaltender again here in the city and then really kind of didn't play great last year and you know and, and even the year before that we we talked a lot about it but Carter was very good at Wells Fargo Center was not very good on the road and I wonder how some of those similarities maybe impacted last year without fans being in the stands and, and all of that as well but we'll see again I feel like we have to caveat everything again with with everything going on in the world who who knows how that's going to impact certain things about the season and fans or no fans and and all of that and I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole um but Carter has to prove that he can play goaltender and be a number one goaltender again on this team, whether there's fans there, whether there's no fans there, whether there's limited capacity, whether he's on the road or at home, because you, in the reality of things, even Carter at his best, you you have to have a number one goalie who can play both in your home arena and on the road, which is something Carter struggled with period the year before. I think he's more than capable of doing it. 
I think when you see the way he could play in this league at like 21 years old, um, there's obviously a foundation there to be a good NHL goaltender. I think most people, and we've also talked about this at length, but most people, I think when they saw the excitement around Carter or they heard us talk about Carter, they thought we were ready to give him the Vesna and we were saying he was the best goaltender, you know, uh, in the NHL when that has never been the truth. Um, He's just been very good for where he's at in his career. And you hope that he continues to take steps. And last year was a regression. So I think this year he needs to prove that he can progress into being that very top tier goaltender that people hoped he would progress into that we hoped he would progress into. And at the very, very least, he has to progress out of that hole that he dug himself into last year, especially now that they gave him a new contract. Like I said, it's not even about, proving to himself, he got that contract. He has a few years of buffer before it really starts to financially matter to him the way he plays this season. But for the team, I think part of that contract was like, Hey, we still believe in you. So we need you to go out there and believe in yourself. And um, you hope that he's able to do that this year because otherwise, I mean, God bless Chuck, but he, he pulled a lot of strings to get a lot of new defensive pieces. And like Joe has said many times, Carter can't play behind him. It doesn't really matter a whole lot who you put in front. Um, but I think I think he has a lot to prove. Like we said last podcast, he seems like he's in a good headspace, and you just hope that translates onto the ice. You know what's interesting, Taryn and Jordan, I, thinking as you were talking about the circumstances with Carter, uh, whether it be home, road, fans, no fans, we've seen him at the most difficult of – circumstances in Toronto in the bubble no fans not at home and he had back-to-back shutouts again now granted that was a Montreal team that was in big time turmoil at that point their head coach was uh out for a few games with some health issues they had Kirk Muller in there as kind of um the interim coach for however however long and you know but we saw him at back-to-back shutouts. Now, back-to-back shutouts in the playoffs, I don't care if the game's played in Philadelphia, Edmonton, L.A., Dallas. It doesn't matter where it is. The list of guys who have done that for the Flyers is three. Michael Layton, Bernie Perron. Those guys have all played in multiple – well, Layton hasn't played in multiple Stanley Cup finals, but he played in, he played in a Stanley Cup final. Bernie, of course, won two, played in another. Um, So, I mean, I think drawing back to whatever that was, whatever zone he was, whatever headspace he was in during that bubble playoffs, I think would be a good thing. And, you know, if you think about going back the year that the Blues won the Cup, Jordan Bennington was a rookie goaltender, too. And I felt like that was the year of the rookie goalies, Jordan Bennington and Carter Hart. And then Bennington bottomed out in the bubble and was really bad. And, you know, maybe this was Carter's moment last year where you have that sort of these seasons aren't normal. So it's tough to call it a sophomore slump because with the way his career started, who knows what's freshman, sophomore or any of that. But maybe he had his young guy moment and maybe now this is the other side of that. And that's what what we can hope, the Flyers can hope, what the fan base can hope. Because, again, if he's not there to be behind those guys that Chuck brought in, I mean, it's 
it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. And we've seen it with other teams around the league. If you have bad goaltending, it is hard to overcome in any circumstance. So, you know, I, I agree with you, but I, and, and I just, we have seen Carter perform under difficult circumstances. So it's not as if he hasn't done it. So it's just a matter of finding what those keys were and, you know, hopefully himself, his coaches can find what that was. Yeah. You got to do it for more than a series though. That's the thing is, is, I mean, we talked about it at length in studio last year is that it became very apparent that AV had tried every which approach with him and, you know, the reset, the giving him off for a week, he plays well. And then, you know, it slumps right back in. He's got to sustain it. Like that, the bubble was, I think a great run where everyone on this flyer team was playing for each other. And we have Oscar Lindblom of it all as well. Him coming back in, there was like a lot of that. We've talked about this before. And Al Morganti had the best line about it ever. He was like, sometimes you can't just have to have outside motivation to play every night. Sometimes your motivation has to be to win a hockey game and you got to figure out how to get Carter back on that track because as well as he played in the bubble, the season was eight times as long as that series against, or even longer than that series against Montreal and uh, or eight times as long as any series in the bubble. Cause it was seven games and you got to, you got like he, the thing that was concerning was that it wasn't just that he was not playing well. It was that anytime he progressed, it's almost like what we're seeing with Aaron Nola right now. Anytime he progresses, there is a regression somewhere in there. That was what was scary is you sit there and you go, okay, you have to be able to not be so shaken to the core of what's going on that when one thing goes right, it's not enough to bolster your confidence to get a second thing to go right. And then kind of build from there. Um, but again, weird, weird year. I know no one wants to accept the excuses as someone who had a, we all had to sit there after the games and break them down and write about it painstakingly sometimes night after night after night, we especially are like not really vibing with the excuses, but you can't like, you just can't, you can't be the number one goaltender and the goaltender that this team essentially is like, Hey, we're, we're putting all of our investment into you. Not figure it out. I, th I think fans and maybe even the Flyers want some reassurance that his first two seasons weren't a fluke. It wasn't just a young kid coming up and being a flash in the pan and then not really being the franchise goalie. Um, but the hype around him was real and, and justified. Like if you look 20 years old, rookie year, he wins eight straight, um, matching an NHL record for, uh, for, for a winning streak for a, goal for a goalie under the age of 21. Then second season, he's great, has a really good playoffs against the Canadians and Islanders. As Joe mentioned, the consecutive shutout, some, a lot of really good goalies have never done that. And that's all by the age of 21, 22 ish. And um, so the, the hype and, 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 um, and all the belief in him, I think was warranted. But as we mentioned uh, last season, regardless of the circumstances, uh, goalies had to play in it and he wasn't very good. The Flyers had a letdown season because of uh because of Hart's play because of the team play and yeah there he needs to prove himself I, I think he's like he had he has to be up there as Karen mentioned as one of the players with the most to prove um and Jordan it, it, just to follow up on that too when you talk about the hype being real what we saw from Carter Hart early in his career was 
if he had a, a down game, you couldn't tell it after the game. His body language, he was always winning the body language competition. And he never let it turn into a string of bad games. If he gave up a goal early, it never turned into a snowball effect in games. And then we got the last season, and all of that was out the window. It was bad body language after games. If he gave up a goal early in a game, he might as well have just given up four goals because it ended up snowballing almost every time. And, Taryn, I don't know how many times you and Scott and Al on the postgame show would talk about how the games got away from them in a hurry. One thing happened, and then it was one nothing, and it was 4 nothing before you could blink your eyes. And, you know, that's, that's the difference between being in a game and not being in a game. And, you know, because at 4 nothing, let's be honest. I mean, none of us played in the NHL, but at 4 nothing, I think a lot of players check out. Maybe even a three nothing, probably not. But you know, it, what, there's a big difference between allowing a goal early and just holding it there, than allowing a goal early and then allowing two and three more goals to happen and really putting the game out of reach. And I think that's what happened far too often last year in uh, when Carter Hart played. And you know, obviously the guys in front of him didn't help out. But there were a lot of times last year where we said the phrase, sometimes the goalie's got to make a save. And I don't feel like that was, um, I don't feel like that was, that happened enough times last year. Uh, and maybe it didn't happen any times. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's a, that has to be a big concern. Carter Hart turns 23 years old on Friday. A good reminder that he is still very young. But um, a reminder that also he has a lot to prove this season after the season he had uh, in the 56-game pandemic-shortened year. Shifting gears, Joe, who is your flyer with the most to prove? I'm going to say, and this one might be a little bit off the beaten path, but I'm going to say Rasmus Ristolainen for a number of reasons. And when, when I say the word prove, he has to prove that the numbers that were in Buffalo were a result of Buffalo and not his play. Um, a few weeks ago, when we had Scott Hartnell on, and he talked about that range of emotion when a player that plays for a struggling team that struggles over and over and over again gets traded to a team that's even mid-level, like the Flyers probably are around mid-level to you know upper um, upper half of the league. Just what a sigh of relief it is for that player to go to a new circumstance where there's going to be more support. And, you know, you're, you'll, well, ideally for the Flyers, you would know who your goalie is every night. You know who you're playing next to every night. I don't think any of those circumstances existed for Ristolainen in Buffalo. And he's a young player. Now, excuse me, these are young, these are tough numbers to have on a player's uh, you know, bio card early in his career. But if he can come and improve that that was a result of Buffalo, I think that would go a long way. And, you know, I just go back to um, if, if you're going out there every night and your goalie's giving up four, five and, or more goals, like Buffalo's goaltender, regardless of who it was last year, was doing, um, and you don't know who you're playing with on defense every night, and you don't know who's in the lineup every night, that's a really tough way to play hockey. It really is. And, um, you know, Ristolainen had a lot of promise coming into the NHL, 
we all saw the clip that went viral a few weeks ago of Keith Jones on a broadcast a few years back talking about how great he would look in a Flyers jersey. And now we get to see that. And hopefully what we do, what we also get to see are his, his real skill set in a good NHL situation and what that can be all about. So I'm going to say Rasmus Ristolainen for the most to prove. Yeah, he was certainly a menace against the Flyers, it seemed like, this season. Taryn, what were, what were your thoughts as you watched this guy play? It just seems like he was ruffling feathers constantly. Um, it seemed like the fan base probably hated him, and now they're, now they're probably thinking, well, at least he's on our side, and we can see him be a menace to others. What, what were you thinking as you watched this guy play? like with anybody who's on Buffalo who you think has like the raw materials to be successful my my thought every time I watched them play was like what would this guy look like on a different team because there is that Buffalo effect and and if you talk to or you listen to anyone talk about um what's gone on there and it's a shame because it sounds like there are Tons of people trying to do all the right things behind the scenes, but something about the organization just can't put it all together. Um, it, it was one of those things where you just think like, guys got talent, high draft pick when he was drafted. Um, and obviously Buffalo was frustrating for the Flyers in general. When, when uh, Joe was just talking about goaltenders, I was like, man, Minas Allmark, like, really was a frustrating name this season, too, which was not something I thought I would say coming into the season. You could go down the whole um, way. Curtis Lazar before yeah, he got traded. Sam Reinhardt. Like, there's I mean, just yeah. a lot of them. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he was one of those guys where you really do wonder on a different team in a different situation, what does he look like? And now we get to find out. So that was my main uh, kind of – observation of him because he does show what he can do but it's kind of like with the flyers this past season where it's like if one guy like there were games where when we were talking before about losing three nothing most guys check out there were games where like Claude Giroux willed them back into a three three tie I think we remember some of those there were like two of them um, that I can remember pretty clearly and you just wonder like or I did, I wondered, I was, what kind of season would Claude Giroux have had if the rest of the team was playing well around him this year? Because there, there were times where he was sheerly, essentially alone, willing them to win or willing them back into a game. Um, but Ristolainen, and different position, different player, younger guy, all of that. You just wonder, like, what does his career trajectory look like while he was in Buffalo? Like, where does he go? How does he work? this out here or what will they get for him and obviously the fly the flyers paid a bit of a price for him and so now i'm excited to see a like who he's paired up with how these pairings work out um how all these pieces come together um but i'm just excited to see what he can do as part of a different team and a team that really should be no they didn't play well last year but should be a huge step up personnel-wise, and just even talking to Cam Atkinson the other day, the way the organization runs should be a step up. Um, Like Cam was talking about, and he wasn't a shot at any other organization, but when he got to Philly, like the the way that they treat you the moment you get off the plane, you're like, okay, this is an organization that cares. And from the guy picking you up to drive your car to making sure you get good food the moment you get into your house to, you know, like all the little things in life, they step it up. Well, you'd hope that, and I don't know how Buffalo handles all those things. So again, not a shot of Buffalo. 
you hope he gets here. And it's like, this is how seriously we take it here. We just want you to be serious in return. And we're going to make every aspect of your life the best that we can. Please return that favor. So I'm excited to see what he can do here with all new players around a new situation, change of scenery, totally different situation than Nolan Patrick. But just like we all said, I think Nolan Patrick, the best thing for him was probably a change of scenery. I think Ristolainen, in order to take the next step in his career, whether it was here or somewhere else, probably needed a change of scenery as well. And I hope, hopefully, it's a good thing that it's here. So we'll see. Yeah, I feel the Flyers are definitely bullish on their environment. Like, they, And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe organizations do need to be kind of cocky about what they can provide for a player. And I think Rasmus Ristolainen is a really good example of that. They believe if they can get this kid into what Taryn said – um, a first-class organization that does things right um, with a coaching staff that's been there, done that, and Elaine Vigneault, Mike Yo, Michelle Terrian. Um, if they can surround them with accomplished players, that this guy will be a different player than what he was in Buffalo. Certainly a guy with a lot to prove that Flyers fans, I think, are going to keep a close eye on. For me, I'm going to go the captain, Claude Giroux. Uh, contract year for number 28, and um, maybe a bit of a crossroads for Claude Giroux. We'll, we'll see. But I think he's an accomplished player that's done so much. I think he's one of the greatest flyers of all time. I think he's been one of the more underrated and undervalued players in the last decade in the NHL. But uh, there will be a lot to prove at his age in a contract year. If he has a big year and he looks like a guy that's, you know, not slowing down at all, then I think the flyers were, will want him back. And they're going to think long and hard about, hey, we want this guy back. What years do we want him back for? How much money? Um, but if things don't go the way the Flyers hope from a team perspective and maybe from a Claude Drew perspective, uh, that's a big that's a big thing. And it could signal the end of Claude Drew being in Philadelphia. So I think Claude Drew has a ton to prove. Um, it's going to be a lot to prove for him, not only in a Flyers uniform and his legacy, but also what could be next for him. What will he show teams that might want to pursue him uh, in the fr- on the free agent market if he does go to the market? If the Flyers don't get him an extension. So uh, I'm going to have my eyes on Claude Drew. I just think it's a massive year for him. It's weird that we're even thinking of a crossroads moment for Claude Drew. Um, if, you know, he's been the longest tenured athlete, active athlete in Philadelphia right now. Uh, he's been here since uh, 2008, before the Phillies even won the World Series. He made his NHL debut with the Flyers. Hard to believe, but um, Claude Drew, for me, the most approved. Uh, but shifting gears, let's get in to the most to lose next season. But first, Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? 
more confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Taryn Hatcher, a lot of flyers with things to prove, a lot of flyers with things to lose. Who is your player with the most to lose next season? Um, I'm going to go a little bit left here um, for the sake of all of us choosing something different. And also because I think it's um, like actually worth mentioning. I kind of think Kevin Hayes has a lot to lose. Um, Obviously, well, now with Jake gone, when you go to talk about someone who makes a lot of money, (laughs) Kevin Hayes, I think is going to be the next target. Um, Especially because he, he, I mean, quite frankly, he underperformed last year. I think most people wondered if there was something going on with him because there were certain instances where the effort level wasn't what we saw from Kevin Hayes the year before, and then come to find out he has the herniated disc. And so, you know, I think for me, at least from where I'm sitting and talking to people and information gathering all the time, I can sit here and say, all right, the year kind of was a wash and he had this health situation going on and let's see what he can do hopefully fully healthy and ready to go this season um but also and this is my perception of things no one's told me this but it really seems as though Chuck Fletcher has built a team around Kevin Hayes of guys that he's familiar with and that he likes and these veteran players that he knows whether it's Cam Atkinson from college or Keith Yandel who's his good friend and you put all these things together and you go, all right, this is really a situation that's set up very well for Kevin Hayes to be a happy guy, playing with his buddies, making a lot of money. And, and, and like you said, we're at a crossroads with Claude Giroux. And you wonder, I think Couturier is obviously kind of the next big team leader left now that Jake is gone. But Kevin's one of those other guys. You want to see those guys step up this season. I mean, Sean steps up like every minute of every single day. So, you know, he's going to be there, but I I think you need to see more from Kevin Hayes, especially because, and I know this is like such a uh, more of a talking point than kind of a reality. Although no, it is a reality is that I think the big discussion will be when Kevin doesn't perform like, Hey, we're paying this guy a whole butt ton of money and we need to see him perform And Jake Voracek used to be the target of that because Jake got paid, you know, the most. But um, I do think it'll be interesting to see. And like, I hate the the phrasing of like having the most to lose. I just think it's, I only say it's Kevin because the situation has been set up very well for him in terms of, like I said, his friends, he's getting paid a lot. He is a well-liked guy in that locker room who is a leader who did underperform last year. And so you want to see him take that turn, step it up and get back to really where he was the year before when he was one of the team leader in points. Um, But I think he will, like, it's not one of these things where I doubt his work ethic or any of that kind of thing. I just think he's, he had a, if we all remember back to the beginning of the 2019, 2020 season, like, he had a rough go of it. People were hypercritical of him and I don't think it's going to get any easier for him. (laughs) So that's where my evaluation comes from. It should be interesting. I mean, I I am interested to see how different he looks after that, um, you know, injury is completely healed and hopefully he's well rehabbed and ready to go coming into the season. You know, what's funny, Jordan and Taryn, I, I think what, 
what we can all hope that we notice is differences on the defensive end, because I felt like that was a huge difference between two seasons ago and this past season. Their penalty kill was awful, and I felt like the reason, part of the reason was Kevin wasn't there ragging the puck like we saw him do his first season with the Flyers. That was a huge part of their penalty kill. He was a huge presence in terms of being a 200-foot player on the second line. So they had Couturier and him down the middle. And I don't feel like that presence was really there for a lot of last season. And I thought that was a huge problem. And hopefully that, you know, the surgery he had and coming back healthy and those sorts of things, uh, that that will get him back to being that player he was for the first season that he was here. And, you know, this is a town that appreciates, uh, not to use a hockey cliche, but I'm going to use it. They appreciate like sandpaper here, like guys that are gritty, that like to, you know, to, to mix it up. It's not just about scoring goals. It's about hitting and, and going to the areas that, you know, digging pucks out of the corner and winning puck battles and those sorts of things that don't show up in a box score, but they show up with your teammates and eventually they show up in the standings column. Um, and we've talked about this a lot. I think one of the things that was missing last year were those guys you would refer to as sandpaper guys, the Tyler Pitlicks and the guys they got at the deadline the year before Nate Thompson and Derek Grant. Now they brought Thompson back. I think part of the reason they brought him back was because of that sort of, you know, presence being these guys that are glue guys. Uh, it was JVR's biggest improvement. It was probably part of the reason why JVR had one of his best seasons was he became a guy who did all the right things that don't show up on the, on the stat sheet. And then they did show up on the stat sheet because he did them in places that mattered. And then they resulted in assists and goals, but that was JVR's biggest biggest leap growth wise and Jonesy would comment on it all the time just the way he he's got those quick hands and he wasn't just using them in front of the goal he's using them to break up passes to get involved in the forecheck and they would result in goals and assists and yeah you're right and I think Kevin has it in him I mean he certainly has the size see if he can do something with it Joe who's yours who's got the most loose for you I'm gonna say Travis Sanheim and you know th this is kind of a storyline that we've discussed and I've brought up several times on this podcast that the idea of Travis Sanheim as a young player has to go away. Uh, he has to establish himself as a second pair defenseman. Um, he is, he has a lot of experience under his belt and he needs to play like a guy who has a lot of experience under his belt, a former first round pick. He needs to step up and be a guy that this team can rely on and not only rely on for these two games over here, and then maybe a couple weeks later, they, he plays well for a few games, but messy in the middle. I mean, there can't be minus sixes on, the, on Travis Sanheim's game log, like the game at the Garden last year. Now, he wasn't alone in that game, but they need to be able to count on Travis Sanheim and this whole idea that he's a young guy, he's getting better, he's this, he's that. We haven't seen the best of him yet. We need to see the best of him, and that needs to start now because this defense core has been reshaped. Um, he's one of a few that are left on it, which means the show or the team shows confidence 
in his ability. So he needs to become one of the guys that are that, that's a mainstay of this defense core, along with guys like Ellis and and um, and Provorov. That that he's the guy to count on. And the young player stuff has to go out the window. It really does because I really feel like the constant um, reference to him as a young player that might be able to get in a player's head because it, it, it becomes an excuse. It can become an excuse without even guys consciously using it as an excuse. I feel like it can be a uh, rationalization sort of thing in a guy's own head, but Travis has a lot of games under his belt in this league and it's time for him to be a top four defenseman and, and be there on the regular. Yeah, Travis St. Ives is 25 now, and uh, he should have a new contract going into next season. And there's going to be a lot of competition now on the back end. So Yeah, and Jordan, that's another thing. I didn't even bring up the contract thing. So, you know, he's obviously going to arbitration with the team. And whether or not he gets a long-term deal or they actually get to the arbitration hearing, either way, you are telling the team you're this. So you need to be this. And, you know, I know it's a lot, there's a lot of agent speak and a lot of these guys don't, don't even, you know, they just let their agent handle it. Regardless though, your name's on the paycheck, whether it comes from what's agreed upon in the arbitration or a long-term deal, you're saying you, you're, you believe you're this, yeah. you need to be that. Indeed. And I'm going to stick on the defenseman theme, piggyback off of Joe. I'm going to say Rasmus Ristolainen for the most to lose. Uh, for the simple fact that he's in a contract year and he's going to a new team in a contract year. And there's this perception about Rasmus Rissalainen that he um, is the player that he was uh, and that Buffalo wasn't the byproduct of, of what he was doing uh, there with the Sabres. So I think he has a ton to lose in the sense that he's coming to uh, a new team and he needs to get a new contract after this year. So will, where will he be next year? What type of money will he get? How many years? Uh, if he comes to the Flyers and proves himself, uh, then a lot of people will forget what he did in Buffalo. But if he doesn't, if he has a so-so year or he is the player that he was in Buffalo, then um, you know his next contract, he's going to suffer a lot in that next contract. He was making $5.4 million um, annually on his last contract. That's a good amount of money. He might have to take a step backward if he doesn't prove himself in Philadelphia. So for me... Rasmus Ristolainen, I think, has the most to lose. Big contract year, new environment. Um, if he doesn't show that he's a better player, uh, that perception of Buffalo will be more of a fact and reality for a lot of people. Well, guys, this was fun. Love talking about the new roster. It's nice to talk about so many new faces. I feel like we only hit on a couple of guys that are, you know, actually were in-house before this offseason. We hit on a lot of new ones, and that's always fun. As September training camp gets closer and closer. Taryn Hatcher and Joe Flores, thank you so much. As always, great chatting with you. Can't wait to talk to you next time. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer, as always. And Flyers fans, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.